Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is my co-host, Michael Amato. We've got a new episode for you. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Still coming down off the high of our Survivor Pool pick, uh, <laughs> surviving last night, barely by the skin of their teeth. We both picked the Colorado Avalanche to beat the San Jose Sharks, and they just barely pulled it out. We're still alive. THN Survivor Pool. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think we both kind of forgot like the golden rule when it comes to hockey betting is that you never, ever pick the heavy favorite. Well, the only way I can explain it is I think I think Mackenzie Blackwood listens to this podcast because <laughs> if you remember our Pacific preview episode, I said there's no no two goalies I trust less than Blackwood and <laughs> uh, Kakinen. So yeah. I think he pulled up the Michael Jordan uh, <laughs> secret stuff. Yeah. Michael Jordan meme of I took that personally and he was trying to knock uh, knock us out of the survival pool, but he had a huge performance. 51 saves. Incredible. I like he did this a little bit in New Jersey, so we always kind of knew we had it had he had it in him. Uh, my thought was always that San Jose's probably got the worst roster, and the apps proved it. They outshot them by like double. It was like over a hundred shot attempts. Um, but I've never been this invested in like an Av Sharks game. <laughs> so soon in October. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those games where, like, I looked across all the games on Saturday, and that seemed like the most obvious pick. Um, I toyed with the, Canuck, that, yeah. the Canucks, uh-huh. or sorry, the Oilers, excuse me, because um, I thought they were going to bounce back and beat the Canucks. But good thing I did take the Abs because, uh, yeah, the Oilers uh, didn't do it again. But wow, that was uh, that was definitely a close call. Yeah, my second pick was Vegas, and that probably would have lowered my heart rate a little bit. But this is why fantasy is so fun, right? Like. Normally, I wouldn't really care about game one, uh, especially if it's the Sharks. But when you put something on the line, it makes it that much more fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, Finally, we've got some real hockey. We've been itching for that for four episodes, five episodes. Um, Coming down from Thanksgiving, we got a nice little gift with Connor Bedard. Uh, Initial reactions, initial thoughts. Uh, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty comfortable out there. Doesn't look overwhelmed at all. Um, definitely kind of a gauntlet of games for him. A very like yeah. spotlight games, like against Crosby. And then, you know, he goes into Boston, which is a tough one. Montreal on Saturday night. And then he's going to get the Leafs on Monday. So he definitely looks, uh, looks comfortable out there. Um, and I, I think one of the things I really like about him is, you know, he adds, everyone was talking about his point projections, but his shot volume has been been great. I think he's I got 16 shots through three games. So um, even if even if the points aren't quite there, that's he's probably gonna he's on pace for something like over 400 shots. I don't think he gets there, but I think he's gonna easily get over 300 shots, which is which is yeah. awesome for a rookie. So that's really impressed me. Uh, speaking of the gauntlet, after Toronto, they take a two day break and then they go to Colorado and then Vegas. So I mean, if, uh, I mean, if you think he's getting cleaned in the dot now, he's gonna it's going to happen all season. Um, but I'm with you. Like, I feel like there are a few players uh, this season who are probably going to come close or at least hit 400 shots. Um, usually you don't see that uh, too often. Uh, Connor Bedard through the first week is averaging over 20 minutes per game. There's actually only three other rookies in the cap era who've averaged over 20 minutes per game. Crosby, Ovechkin, and Kopitar. And we know Crosby and Ovechkin had great um, seasons, both over 100 points. I don't know if Bedard gets to 100 points. Like he's going to get the opportunity, but the team surrounding him is not that good. 
Yeah, I, I I had him at 70 points for the mm-hmm. season. I, I'm still sticking with it. Um, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, he just doesn't have any talent around him. It's going to be easier for opponents to check him when you don't have to worry about anyone else. But you can see he's already, you know, he, he's already found the back of the net. He's picked up a few points. So I think he'll comfortably get to around 70. And he's also boosted the fantasy stock of his right winger, Ryan Donato. Uh, two points in three games, eight shots, averaging over 19 minutes per game. I'm streaming this guy as long as he's on Bedard's line. Yeah, it's a good short-term stream option. I, I do think they're going to kind of move a lot of players around. I think Radish will spend some time there eventually. I think even Athanasiu, I think even Reichel will play with him. So I don't know how long... Donato's going to last there, but he's definitely a good short-term stream. And the one thing I I kind of think about too is, I mean, it, depending on what your projection is for Bedard, but if you think he's like a 70, 75 point player, like how, how much can that, that type of player really elevate someone? Certainly like a little mm-hmm. bit, but we're not talking about, you know, McDavid or Drysaddle here that can really carry someone yet. I think that's coming probably in the next couple of years. So I don't know how much of a bump guys like Donato will get, but certainly a little bit for sure. Yeah. I think he's just going to be finishing Bedard's rebounds, not really like, <laughs> you know, finishing off plays like McDavid and Dreisaitl, who are two probably the best passers in the game right now. Um, kind of going back to the abs point about never really, you know, hopping on the most popular team or the most favorite team. The Buffalo Sabres are really struggling. And we kind of talked about this, that defense needs a lot of work. And it's hurting Devin Levi's stats. It's hurting their offense because they can't get anything going. Are you concerned at all? Are you concerned that the bandwagon is so full that the wheels are starting to like, you know, bend a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not really surprised. Um, I I think Buffalo, their one kind of weakness was going to be keeping the puck out of the net. And this is the challenge with Levi. I had a lot of people, I've never seen people defend someone so hard as people defended Levi when I said I could see him spending some time in the AHL this year and it's Mm -hmm. nothing to do with him it's just like you said he's kind of getting he's kind of under siege right now just because you know the defense is struggling a bit and you don't want to put your young goalie through that game in and game out through a long season that's why Craig Anderson was such a good fit there they could throw him in to kind of absorb some of that so I think at some point, if this keeps up, they might want to just let Levi dominate in the AHL for a bit and bring him back up um, and just see what happens. But obviously not right now. I think they'll, I think they'll figure it out. They, they have a lot of offensive talent, obviously, but you know, that division again, it's looking tough. Um, There's a lot of good teams there, so they're going to have to start finding ways to win. It's, it's obviously early, but you don't want to get too far behind. Uh, Levi, 87% roster in Yahoo. I wouldn't be surprised if that comes down a little bit. Yeah. And I was a little surprised he got two straight starts considering the season opener loss. Um, I thought we'd see Lukanen or Comrie, and I'm sure we will at some point. But like you said, the offense has got to come around. It's got to bill him out at some point. Um, one team that I actually was really intrigued by is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I know you're a bit of a Kent Johnson guy. A surprise, he got health bombed in, in game one. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it, it's it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Maybe it's just trying to send a message there. Um, sure. It feels like John Tortorella is still there in a way. Like that <laughs> seems like something Tortorella would have done. Um, but yeah, like I don't think expectations are too high this year in Columbus. So why wouldn't you play your young players? Um, 
to let them keep developing. And it, it kind of feels like he's fallen behind Marchenko for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantilli's just starting out, but it kind of feels like Johnson's coming down the pecking order a little bit. Um, you know, I have a real thing about not rostering guys that that get scratched because you just can't really trust them. So I don't think you're going to roster him in, in yeah. one-year leagues right now. Um, but obviously still, you know, keeper in Dynasty, there's a lot of potential there. But Columbus is a really interesting team to start the year. Um, you know, like Line A is, is in a really unique spot right now, playing center, winning face-offs. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, he still didn't have center eligibility as of yesterday. Um, yeah, I think it takes like three games or something like that to. Follow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, think, so, I think you can set it now yourself too. You can. Yeah. Which is you know real. what? Set McDavid as his defenseman and then yeah. open up a center spot. Yeah, you I can't just, say take stuff away apparently, but you can add. Um, your commissioner yeah. can add a, a position, which is interesting. And even yeah. like Elvis Elvis Merzlikens looks really good there. It's only been a couple of starts, mm-hmm. but that's a goalie that's widely available if you need some help in that. Yeah, uh, I'm a big Elvis guy. I liked him during the rookie season. I think maybe slipping Corpusalo and a bit of health issues kind of set him back a little bit. And obviously, having that defense in front of him at the time didn't help. Uh, lining at center is definitely interesting. He's winning like close to 50% of his face-off, which I did not yeah. expect at all. Um, Marchenko, you mentioned the Cy Young winner. He's looked really good uh, in a top six role. Um, but Jenner, Boone Jenner has been awesome as usual. And Adam Fantilli, that's actually pushed Fantilli to the left wing. So if you have leagues that count faceoffs and Fantilli is only center eligible, that kind of decreases his value. But if you add left wing, and since rookies don't win many faceoffs anyway, just ask Bedard. I think that actually is a really good thing to happen for Fantilli. And it takes a little pressure off him too. Yeah, it does. Like he, he needs to just acclimate to the game. I don't think he needs to be worried about faceoffs as much. But yeah, that's that's actually the sole reason I drafted line A's because I, I am in a league with faceoffs and mm. I saw him taking faceoffs in the preseason and it sounded like they were going to keep him in center. So uh, he's been really valuable for me in that regard. I think he had like nine faceoff wins the other night. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just playing well, like, which yeah. is, yeah, great. Um, you know, who's not playing well, Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made an effort to watch the penguins and you know what? Chris Letang looks better. <laughs> yeah. Chris Letang, four assists, six shots, four hits, three blocks. Obviously, the chemistry thing is huge. Uh, Ray Ferraro did the Caps game, and he had this great line about uh, great players do not always make a great power play. Yeah. And that is could not be more true. Through three games, uh, Eric Carlson has zero power play points. You look at the entries, they're not clean. They can't get set up. Um, for now, I would probably fade Carlson. I just don't see a lot of upside right now. What about you? Yeah, I was already fading him in drafts just because, you know, his numbers last year, there's really nowhere to go but down. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, to say that that's on Carlson, just when you play that well and you have 100 points as a defenseman, you're just going to be really tough to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I kind of, I always worry about like, a lot of people think if you go from a weak team to a strong team, that really helps you. Not, not necessarily. No, not, it's not always the case with high-end players. Um, he's still getting the ice time there, but I think last season everything ran through Carlson. They featured him because they were trying to trade him, obviously. Um, and the Pens are a bit deeper, a bit more balanced. You know, they have a lot more talent up front. They have another really good blue liner in, in Latang. We kind of saw that a bit when Burns was in San Jose. Like Carlson yeah. kinda at times got lost in the shuffle there. So I wonder if that's happening again. But yeah, it might take him some time to get up to speed, but he definitely doesn't look 100% comfortable yet. 
Definitely. If you think about depends and the, how long that core has been there and how Mike Sullivan prefers to have play a certain way, whereas Carlson likes to free will a little bit, they're going to have to find some sort of balance there. Um, I wonder if this is going to be a running storyline all season. And it, it's kind of hard because you also can't take Carlson off the first power play because, I mean, that's why you got him, right? Yeah, no, he's going to have to play there. Um, it's just, you know, I, I I was cautioning that all summer. Don't overreach for him. I had him bumped down to like the late third round. I just thought, you know, 100 points. I, I thought he was going to come way down, maybe to 70. And he's also, you know, he's also got a big injury risk, right? Like last yeah. year was the first year in a long time where he stayed healthy. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how he pans out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, he definitely has to, to kind of get used to things there. Uh, another thing that caught my eye, uh, and it's again the Sharks, which really honestly quickly becoming my most favorite team to hate watch. <laughs> uh, there's just also too much teal on jerseys. They need to bring back the black pants and black helmets. It's just, it's too much. But anyway, I digress. Uh, San Jose, uh, so little depth that they're running five forwards on the power play. We've seen this before. The Leafs did it at one point, the Panthers did it at one point, but I don't think to my memory, any team has done it for a full season. Now, there's a chance that they don't because Mikhail Granlin was running the point on the first unit. Now he's injured. Um, and I wonder, um, just as an aside, if Henry Thrun is going to get a point or a chance to run the point. Uh, played the first game, got an assist, sat out the second game. They're still playing five fours on the top unit. They're playing Jan Ruta, of all people, Jan Ruta on the second unit. And I mean, what are your thoughts about rostering a, like a really deep sleeper defenseman like Thrun, who can basically be a power play specialist? It would have to be a very deep league for me to consider mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I'm just not on any of the Sharks this year. I just, I, I think they're going to be picking first overall next yeah. summer. Um, you know, I just think there's just a huge lack of talent. Even if they run five forwards on the power play, I feel like that power play is going to be one very of the mid power league. play. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just don't, I just don't see the value there. Um, yeah. I wonder, you know, I hate, I hate to say it, but I wonder if their high point might've been Blackwood's uh, performance. <laughs> the They've already peaked. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a pretty bleak roster to me. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, one of my favorite parts about week one is overreacting to certain things. So staying with uh, the goalie theme here, uh, the Gus bus, Philip Gustafson. Actually, did you see the promo with uh, Gustafson driving the school bus? I didn't. That sounds incredible. <laughs> uh, so the Minnesota Wild did this PR commercial bit where uh, Gustafson drives a school bus and he's driving the sc- to the, the stop and like Foligno and a bunch of other Wild are dressed as kids. <laughs> Oh, okay. And so the tagline is, uh, I think they're not something about mild or something. But anyway, the whole point is that they're wild. Uh, anyway, uh, Gus Bus, 41 save season opener. He seems to do really well in any opening game, whether it's regular season or playoffs. Um, after the game, I was like, you know what? This is it for Flurry. Like, he's got to be the backup. Gustafson's got to be the number one. The moment I say that, he allows seven goals on 33 shots against the Leafs. Uh, what are your thoughts on Gustafson and Flurry? I think it's a good sign if you're banking on Gustafson uh, playing the majority of the, of the games, getting most of the starts, that he got two in a row there. Um, I do think. You know, it was a, t- a bit of a tough one for him against the Leafs. They, you know, Matthews is just playing incredible right now. So I don't know how much 
you're going to really hold that against them. But yeah, I, I think they're kind of transitioning Flurry into more of a true backup here. Um, so I think it's a good sign. I would just caution that, you know, Gustafson's never, you know, played a, a, a lot of games in a season before. So if they are expecting him to, to play 55, 60 games, you know, is he going to be able to hold up to that? So I'd imagine Flurry still gets a decent share of the starts, but I, I think Gustafson's going to get the majority. Uh, my hot take is that by the end of this week, Austin Matthews is probably not going to be on pace to score 246 goals on the season. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I still think Gustafson's the number one on that team. So yeah, someone has to prove me wrong there. Uh, Seattle Kraken, um, two goals in three games. Is it time to dump all their forwards? <laughs> and maybe Vince Dunn. That that's uh, yeah, that's a bit of an overreaction, but it's it's definitely time to be concerned about them. Um, yeah. You know, no elite were, player. Yeah, they were a top five goal scoring team last year. They've got two goals in three games right now. They kind of remind me, and I'm hoping this isn't the case for them, but they remind me a bit of the of the Predators last year, where mm. you know how two years ago Roman Yossi had that huge year, everyone there had an inflated yeah. shooting percentage, and then last year they all kind of came back down to earth together and it all kind of went through the team. Like one person regressed, another person regressed. I'm wondering if that's starting to happen in Seattle. Cause last year there's a lot of players that everything went right for. And this summer, a lot of people worried about Dunn regressing, you know, uh, McCann regressing. So I think there's a few players there that you should be concerned about. Um, if they're not getting a lot of those goals by committee and they're not picking up those kind of mm-hmm. bonus points, secondary assists, you know, I have, I have Burakovsky that I streamed this week because he was playing three games and he did pretty much nothing. Um, <laughs> so it's it's definitely concerning if, if you have some Kraken players right now. Um, the Kraken, on the same note, um, I think combined with a lot of public models predicting them to actually miss the playoffs, the regression you talked about, not having an elite player, playing in a pretty tough division, like things just aren't trending in their way. And just the fact that they're like, we talked about this too. There's so many wingers. Like, how do you pick like other than McCann, maybe who shoots the most, but between Eberle, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Schwartz, like how do you filter through these guys? It's, it's a giant headache and I, I'd rather just avoid it. Yeah. And you, you think about how they made the playoffs last year with pretty mediocre goaltending and that might be like putting it nicely. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get back there if they don't have that those kind of offensive numbers again, because I don't think they're going to get the goaltending again. Oh, speaking of goaltending, Philip Grubauer, surprisingly good. Yeah. He, he starts off well. Sometimes it's just yeah. kind of, can he maintain it? Can he stay yeah. healthy? Can he play consistent enough? I mean, if you're looking at the glass half full, he played really well in the playoffs. I thought like he, I think he was the reason, pretty good. I, I think he, he was the reason they beat the avalanche. Like he was outstanding in that series. Um, he's kind of picked back up, but yeah, I have a hard time believing he can sustain that over a full season. Um, but we'll see. My early hot take is that Joey Decord is their starting goalie by December. <laughs> that, that's, that's that's mildly hot. I, I could see it. Without it's having seen possible. Decord play a single minute yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how little confidence I have in Grubauer. Yeah, what happened to Chris Dreger there? Like, I, I thought... Uh, like, double ACL surgery, right? And yeah, then, like last and then, season, yeah, back in, I guess, but yeah, um, and even last year when he came back, he started in Coachella Valley and he wasn't like yeah. great. And in the preseason, I think 
Joey Decor kind of outplayed it. And keep in mind, like when the expansion draft happened, like people were all over Joey Decor being yeah. like, yeah. And the Sens have this like history of like either picking, staying, staying with the wrong goalie or giving good goalies away. Like Gustafsson was a Sens pick or Sens uh, prospect. But Dreacher was a big acquisition for them. I know, you know, like, he had one he had hot a, run. Yeah, he had a good run in Florida, and I thought they he really never got a chance to to show anything in Seattle. Like he got hurt so fast. But I, yeah. I thought they'd maybe give him another shot, but we'll see. True. Uh another goalie that I've been keeping a guy or, or an eye on is uh Jonas Johansson on Tampa Bay. Uh we talked about him briefly before the season. Neither of us were confident. I think for good reason. Um, I don't think he's looked particularly good. Um, I think some of the goals he should have had uh, granted that Tampa defense isn't great in front of them. And I'd say we are still like two months away from Vasilevsky returning and Matt Tompkins is going to get his first career start Sunday against the Sens. I'm really curious how they're going to handle this. Well, it's interesting that you see a lot of teams right now carrying three goalies because mm-hmm. I think they're worried that Tampa is eyeing somebody, you know, Buffalo yeah. has three, <laughs> Detroit has three right now. There's a few teams out there that are holding them. So I'm kind of surprised Tampa didn't grab someone else, like even Martin Jones or somebody. Um, maybe they're waiting on someone. Maybe they have some kind of other plan. But, yeah, I don't know. I was I was not confident in Jonas Johansson as the backup this year, let, let, alone, yeah, the, let alone the starter. So now he seems to be getting – he's going to probably be getting the bulk of the starts. They're going to have to really – improve defensively around him and really try to prop him up because if you're leaning on Johansson, um, you know, you're in big trouble. I mean, they have to at least, they have to at least stay afloat before Vasilevsky gets back or, you know, you can get too far behind in that Atlantic division. I think it's one of those things where like you roster Johansson because he's playing on a good team, but you have to be really selective with your starts. Yeah. Like I think, I think the lightning are good enough to to prop him up like you saw nashville he had a decent outing mm-hmm. and then it was really bad against detroit so i think you're going to get that on most weeks he's probably going to start twice you might get one okay game and one rough one so if you can kind of be selective and, and kind of key in on that game that he's, he's more favored in or it's going to work out better for him and, and kind of avoid those other ones he's probably worth worth having around but yeah it's 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 tough, right? Like we even saw, you know, Vasilevsky in the playoffs. He he was not himself, not playing well, and the Lightning really couldn't overcome that. So I don't know how they're going to do it with Johansson. Um, sp- sticking with the Lightning too. Um, I know Detroit had their season opener, and there's a lot of hype in those situations. But I mean, they really ran all over the Lightning. I think their defense was a little overwhelmed. And speaking of their defense. Uh, Victor Hedman is their power play one quarterback, not Sergachev. Uh, we kind of thought last year that Sergachev have has kind of leapfrogged Hedman on the depth chart on the power play, but not so. So Hedman, to me, I guess regains the lost fantasy value he had. Sergachev goes a little down. Hedman's been really productive too. So, I mean, do you dump Sergachev? Do you sell high on him right now? I wouldn't. One thing I noticed that uh, in the Nashville game, I watched that game when they played the Predators, they were kind of switching Sergachev on for Hedman, but leaving the other four uh, Lightning that were on the first power play unit. So he was getting a little bit of time with that top unit as well, but Hedman was still getting the bulk of it. I do think that's what made those guys such a risky pick in drafts. You know, I think a lot of people were leaning Sergachev, but I had both of them kind of in the same spot in my rankings. And 
I know some people tried to grab both of them. Some people tried to avoid both entirely because there was so much uncertainty. So I think we're seeing, you know, Hedman get the time now, but I think at some point, you know, Sergachev will get a, will get a shot there. I think Cooper is not afraid to rotate them um, back mm -hmm. and forth. So, and I think Sergachev is, is more than just a power play, you know, producer. He brings other things to the table, especially if you have hits and blocks in your league. So I wouldn't necessarily give, give up on him just yet, but something to monitor. Well, and also, um, they just announced that Steven Stamkos is actually day to day with a lower body injury. So maybe Sergachev and Hedman hop on the same power play unit. Like, I feel like the 2D power play unit is coming back in vogue again. A lot of teams are doing it right now. Yeah. 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 So I don't know how I feel about it. Um, certainly, we just mentioned Detroit Gosses Bear is on the first power play unit. He's actually been playing really well. Um, speaking of power play, John Klinberg, uh, power play quarterback. Initial thoughts on him. Is he a is he a top 10 QB in your opinion? Over under 45 points, what would you take? Right now, I'd take over. He he looks good. I, yeah. I'm surprised. Um, he definitely has his defensive deficiencies there, but yeah, on the power play, he looks a lot more uh decisive than Morgan Riley did. Um, he's moving the puck a lot quicker. Um, and that power play is really clicking right now. So it's interesting because if if you look at the Leafs power play last year, it was second to the Oilers, who arguably mm -hmm. maybe had the best power play ever. So mm -hmm. it's hard to think how much it could improve by switching Klingberg for Riley. And if you talk to some people, they'll tell you like, I don't know, I remember hearing like, oh, the Leafs had the you know the greatest or the, or the third best goals for in the cap era on the power play with Riley quarterbacking it. So, but then when you watch them play, it's like Riley seems slow sometimes and indecisive and. It just doesn't seem like he's the best fit. Um, Klingberg looks a lot better there. He's just, it just seems like everyone's moving quicker and it's just hard to defend. And I think he has a shot too, right? Like Riley doesn't really have that, that booming shot. And I think Klingberg can also really walk the line a lot better. And he just, yeah. I don't know. It looks like he's moving, moving everyone around. Like if, if you watch that opening game against the, the Canadians, Nylander's power play goal, like he, he Klingberg did such a great play. He just kind of moved subtly to his right took the Montreal player with them and then slid it back to Nylander for the one-timer just so quickly. And that's something they were missing, I think. So he looks really good there. Um, his plus minus might be another story, but if you don't have that in your league, I would be all over Klingberg. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't think it's over an overreaction to just pick him up right now, roster him for the rest of the season, averaging almost 23 minutes per game. He's going to be really good, I think. And uh, it's, Riley's more of a matchup guy to me anyway. Yeah, they, they've tried, like, when Tyson Berry was here, they they used him a little bit and took Riley off the top unit, but they always went back to Riley. This feels a little bit different. This feels like something they're going to keep for the year. Like, it feels like they're really invested in Klingberg in that way, and they're not, they don't want to make the same mistake they did with Berry, where it kind of just, he got lost and there was no fit for him. I think they know that they got to use Klingberg there to really get the full value out of him. Well, speaking of Tyson Berry, so he's splitting duties on power play one with Roman Yossi. They're, they're going 2D as well. The one thing about Barry is that he's got a monster shot, but he never, ever gets it on net. That was just like his biggest thing. And he nearly killed Cody Glass in the first game too. I don't know if you saw that, but he shot the puck and it like hit Glass square in the head. And you go, this is why Barry will never be any good because he can't get the shot on net. Well, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty scary. But I was I was actually surprised to see him there with and you'll mm -hmm. see was kind of on the half boards too, the way they were using him on the yeah. on the right side. Like he was in an interesting spot. But it's good news if you do have Barry because I thought his value would 
really plummet when he left that Oilers power play. And if you go back to the, the end of last year, Yossi was out for a couple of weeks with an injury mm-hmm. and Barry actually did okay. Um, he, had a, he had a little point streak, a little stretch there when he was on the top power play. So yeah, if you're rostering him right now, that was probably uh, music to your ears seeing him there. I'd say Barry is good if Yossi isn't there. I actually feel like Barry kind of brings down Yossi a little bit in terms of production. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't know what Yossi, like Yossi in that spot to me is that is, that's to me the bigger story, the bigger concern. Like yeah. if I had Roman Yossi, I would be, I'd be concerned about that. As do I, as a big Roman Yossi fan, I was not happy to see that. Um, last note on uh, power play. Is it an overreaction to take Chikrin or Sanderson over Thomas Shabbat, who is still on the top power play? but not really scoring as much as either of those two guys. Definitely not an overreaction. Um, I think I've made my points about Shabbat clear. He is the captain of the better in real life than in fantasy <laughs> hockey team. Um, love the guy, plays a ton of minutes, is a great player, but in fantasy, he just he doesn't really do anything particularly well. Um, he's just okay. He's not a huge point scorer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really you know dominate in the peripherals. So I I got Sanderson this year. I took a chance on him. He's he's playing pretty well. He's putting up some points. Uh, Chikrin looks good too there. So yeah, yeah, I would I would not hesitate to do that if you need to. I took Shabbat mainly because I wanted the peripherals. Um, and just because he plays a lot more minutes, so by extension, you should probably he get does. He has on. the ice time. Yeah. yeah, and so going into the draft, I had those three on my radar, but I was just waiting and waiting and, and seeing who went first. And most people, I think, took Chikrin first. Yeah, and then Sanderson. So I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll take Shabbat. Not a big deal to me. That happens sometimes. You just get a guy that it's too much value at that point to pass on him, and you just you take the chance. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We kind of mentioned it, but before um, sleepers and keepers time, Shane Gosses bear first power play with more cider. Is he a little under rostered? Do you, do you like him in fantasy? I do like Gosses bear. Um, you know, again, if you don't have plus minus as a thing, he's a very good offensive player. Um, he produced really well in Arizona as well last season. So yeah, I think if you, if you, if you're in a strictly a points league, he's very effective. And I think he's getting a, uh, getting a good spot there in Detroit. Yeah, uh, Detroit looks way better offensively. Uh, granted, uh, Tampa didn't look that good on defense, but uh, DeBrinket looks good. Uh, some of the DeBrinket and Larkin, good. yeah, they yeah. look good together. Yeah, uh, the depth is there. I think the defense is pretty good. I'm still not sure about the goaltending, but that's like another story. Um, the other sleeper power play sort of defenseman is Tony D'Angelo. Two assists in two games, averaging close to 18 minutes per game. Uh, sharing duties with Brent Burns. Do you like him or not? I I still think I'd rather have Burns, but he's definitely cutting yeah, into sure. Burns' time. And, and D'Angelo can be productive in that spot. So, um, you know, for the Hurricanes, the, the Hurricanes are actually scoring quite a bit so far this season. Um, they're filling the net, which is great. So Yeah, but still spread out. Yeah, they're still spreading it out. But, yeah, D'Angelo, I think, is, is a fine option that, you know, if you don't have Burns or you can't get Burns, he's he's probably not that far off. 
Um, we mentioned uh, Henry Thrund before, so we both kind of agree that in a deep, deep sleeper, maybe give it a couple more weeks, see if it picks it up. Uh, the other guy I mentioned uh, in one of our previews is Philadelphia's Cam York. I'm still a big fan of this player. I know his stats don't look good in uh, college and, and whatnot, um, but he's got a chance to quarterback a Flyers team that actually looks pretty good and kind of dangerous. I know they're on and off, and that's probably going to be a running theme all season, but any thoughts about Cam York? Yeah, I still think to me he's more of a waiver guy, streamer. Mm-hmm. The Flyers, I agree, the Flyers do look good. Konechny's got a bunch of goals already. Yeah. Um, like Couturier's back playing big minutes for them. Atkins yeah. is back. Couturier's um, been incredible, eh? Like, yeah. I can't, I don't understand how he's still like, what, 15% rostered in Yahoo? I think he just missed so much time with injuries. People yeah. are, are, are concerned. Um, but yeah. That might he, be my best pick this year so far. Yeah, a late pick like that. You just, you take the chance. He's got huge offensive talent when he's healthy. So they do look better. But yeah, I just, I feel like they're going to struggle. I feel like York is, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit in the preseason. He's not to me, a huge offensive point producer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if he picks it up, you could stream him and see what happens. But, yep. yeah, I don't think I'd necessarily roster him right now. Okay. Uh, would you roster, then, Evan Rodriguez, center left wing eligibility, probably going to get right wing eligibility, playing on the top line with the Panthers, lots of shot volume, and Oliver ekman Larson, who's playing, like, 80-plus percent of their power play minutes. Yeah, you could roster both of those, especially Rodriguez. Um, he's playing with Barkov. He looked really good there against the Jets the other night. I think he had four points. Um, and I love guys that do one thing really well outside of offense. And Rodriguez shoots a lot, so he's that volume shooter. So if their offense struggles, you're still getting something out of them. Um, so, like, Rodriguez, I think, is a good good guy to take a chance on. Um, if he stays on that top line, I think he's going to produce good offense. And, yeah, Ekman Larson, you know, we, we, we talked about – kind of there's going to be a void there for the first couple months while Ekblad and Montour out. Someone's able to step up and take it and grab that power play time. Uh, that's a player you want to you want to have in the short term for sure. Yeah, sorry for all those guys who picked Gustav Forsling, uh, <laughs> myself included, but this is why you don't have drafts like a month before the season starts, right? Yeah, it's tough to know how things pan out too in the first mm-hmm. week or so, but mm-hmm. yeah, Ekblad Larson's interesting there. The interesting about Rodriguez too is that there are times last year where he was playing like 19 20 minutes per game but I always found it was always early in the season so he kind of hits a peak around November December and then by the spring he kind of starts getting fewer minutes plays a little lower into the depth chart so I'm curious to see if that happens uh, especially once they get healthy healthier I should say um, but he's been a great fit for it so far uh, more than just a streamer probably a bit of a stash at some point um, so we'll see how that goes Another player we actually talked about stashing or potentially as a sleeper is Matt Coronado. Um, He had that insane shot, his first uh, goal in the league, a power play goal, of course, but he's also minus six and not getting a lot of minutes. So this is kind of the deal with rookies sometimes. It's like they can score, but everything else is not so good. Um, Do you like Coronado? Do you think he's still worth maybe streaming or stashing? If I were going to take a chance on him, I would probably do it this week because the Flames play four times. Um, yes. I think Logan Cooley as well this week plays four times. If yes. he's available in your league, I would. this is the week to kind of stream and see what happens. Although Cooley looks really good. Um, in, in yeah, he's a can't play. miss, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I would give Coronado a shot this week. Um, you know, the Flames, 
again, like last season, they struggled to score. They struggled to put up offense. So they're going to give guys opportunities. Um, yeah, I would like to see him get some more minutes and the minus six isn't good. But yeah, I think this week is probably just for pure volume, a good time to take a look at him. Are you a fan of plus minus in fantasy? I'm torn. Uh, not really. We don't have it in our league. Um, I just think it's, it's a little too random. Um, but I, I can see the, I, I can see both arguments for it. I, I just find it, I find it almost like it kind of ruins a lot of fun players. If you have it in because you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to grab this guy. But then he's like, Oh yeah, but he's going to be, he's like minus 25. Right. But yeah. Like Jordan but, Cairo. Oh, I love the yeah. shots and the goals, but he's minus 30. Yeah, so probably selfishly, I think it just takes a little bit of fun out of it, out of it when you have that. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned the Coyotes play four games this week. They do, along with the Flames in Detroit. That's the league high this week. Uh, Arizona, Barrett Hayton, still the number one center uh, ahead of Logan Cooley. I still think this guy's worth picking up and stashing, or just playing like rostering right now. Playing with Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz. Really good. And the Red Wings, there's one player that's kind of caught my eyes, Daniel Sprong. So the thing with the Red Wings is that they have a lot of pretty good wingers. No one really stands out so far. But Sprong has scored uh, a goal in each of the games. He's only 5% rostered. He's one of those guys that just like appeared out of nowhere, scores a whole bunch of goals, was at one point a highly touted prospect. And I feel like for the Wings, uh, they're wingers. Haha. <laughs> are going to go run hot and cold all season. And right now it's Sprong's time. Yeah, he's really interesting. He, he, I think he scored in every preseason game too. So yeah. he's, I think he's on a six game goal streak right now. Yeah. Um, so streaky spring. Yeah. Has Sprong. And Sprong has spring. <laughs> he scored, he scored like 20, I want to say 21 goals last season, barely mm-hmm. playing 10, 11 minutes a night. So he's yeah. one of those few players in a, in the bottom six that doesn't need a lot of ice time to produce. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think he will go through quiet stretches, though. That's the challenge with rostering him. But yeah, I think right now, if you have an injury, you need a replacement, a short-term stream, or like you know, we said Detroit has four games this week. Mm-hmm. That's probably a good time to to take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last player that I want to touch on, and I think he's so obvious, but still really under rostered in just about every league, is Gabe Velarde on the Jets. And granted, he didn't have a big game as, you know, Adam Lowry or even Mark Shackley, who has been amazing so far. Um, Kyle Connor, too. But I think Villardi has a lot of long-term value. Uh, a lot of shot attempts, a lot of ice time, top line, top power play. Yeah, ice time is way up, which is great. Uh, great sign for him. Shot attempts through the roof right now. He's He looks really good where he is. He's getting, you know, a lot of featured roles for the Jets. So, He's almost the opposite of Carlson, kind of um, a player maybe going from a stronger team to a weaker team. And sometimes, not that the Jets are that much weaker than the Kings, but sometimes that's really helpful for a player when, you know, they were maybe a little bit further down the depth chart of the pecking order and they're just going to go to that new team and get a lot more opportunity. I think that's what's happening with Velarde right now. So mm-hmm. if he keeps shooting it the way he is, uh, the, the points are going to come. Mm-hmm um we got one mailbag question do you want to do that let's do it uh this is from straight shuto shokunin he goes uh hey jason um i'm sure he has you and your thoughts too mike don't worry happy thanksgiving keep up the stellar work thank you uh 
Quick question. Which players do you think are worth adding right now in Yahoo to stash on IR and NA spots? Quinn, perhaps? I think he's Jack. talking about Jack Quinn. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Kane is already taking my league. There's a few. Um, obviously, I think Max Pacioretty is a big one if he's, if he's still out there. Um, Josh Norris? Yes, Josh Norris. I grabbed Norris so late in my draft because, Same. yeah, I think everyone was just scared off about the potential injury there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm crossing my fingers that he's going to be back in the next week or two, or mm-hmm. even if it's a few weeks, just for where he was going, I think in drafts, you're, you're getting lots of value for him. He's a, like a 30 goal potential 65 point player easy. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's a guy for sure. Norris. Um, one other one that someone asked me about recently is uh, Spencer Knight. Mm. So he's starting off in the AHL. Um, and I think. Uh, Kochekov too, right? They're yeah, looking Kochekov for any spots. Kachekov is definitely another one, but Knight's interesting because I think a path, you know, to kind of beating out Bobrovsky there is, is not, even though Bobrovsky had an incredible coming off an incredible playoffs, I don't think he's going to be that hard to kind of overtake. Um, I've tried if if Knight uh, gets his game going in the AHL and comes up. So he's an interesting one too, but yeah, I would say probably Norris, Pacioretty, Knight, Kachekov. Those are, those are ones I would uh, Mm -hmm. use up a lot of my spots for. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting early in the season um, because I think sometimes teams wait before they put guys on on IR or yeah. LTIR. Um, Mikkel Granlin is IR eligible now if you want to look into that. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, he's he might play top six minutes on the Canucks. Um, I think he probably is going to get Garland's spot, I, I would think, if they move. Garland. If they move, if they can move Garland. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's your said tough, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you're looking for a veteran, Logan Couture is like as as consistent as they come. Like, I'm actually yeah. shocked how consistent he is. And then, I, think that, I think that's what hurts him because he's such a low ceiling. Like, yeah. you know, he's giving you 60 points, but like nothing more. So. Yeah. Uh, Alec Martinez is a great stash for banger leagues because he is an amazing shot blocker. I mean, I mean, his body's paying for it now. But when he's healthy, this this guy's just as good as any. So uh, plenty of options, too. Um, Matt Savoie is another Sabres practice who's also on IR. But I, I think Jack wins well ahead on the depth chart. Um, we talked about Alex Kalorn, too, but neither of us are big fans, right? Yeah, I'm I'm sort of lukewarm on him. I think if he ends up playing with Terry and Zegers, it might be a nice fit. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll see. Mason McTavish is the best player on that team, though. He looks good. Um, yeah, he, I think he's the most valuable fantasy player. Yeah, he, he's well-rounded. It feels like he's, he's still probably like another year or two away from really unlocking his value, but he's mm-hmm. going to be an incredible multi-cat uh, player, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to finish off, looking ahead, um, just one, are you satisfied with your fantasy team right now? And two, are there any teams or players or matchups that you're looking forward to for next week? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with my team. I'm a little concerned about my goaltending. Um, Who do you have? I, I, I went zero G. I got Markstrom incredibly late. I, I had no plans. Oh, he had such Mark. a good start. Oh. I know. I, I had no plans to draft him at all, but he was sitting there in like the 12th round. And I just said, like, I got to take him. So he looked great opening night. Uh, not so good on Saturday. And then I have Cam Talbot, who both him and Copley haven't looked <laughs> yeah, great. So. Good. Um, not good not an ideal start so i might have to, to spring a trade but other than that I'm, I'm pretty 
happy with my team. I'm actually looking forward to, we talked about the Coyotes a bit, them playing four times. They've only played one game so far. They have a lot of, uh, a lot of fun players and Cooley. I have Cooley on my team. He's, he's been great. And so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of the teams with young players, Fantilli, Bedard, Cooley, all worth watching. Um, there's a couple matchups I'm keeping my eye on. Um, I'm actually really, really liking watching the devils. I have Jack Hughes as a keeper. He has, he is, he alone is worth watching the devils. He is so good. Um, stays out there for five minute shifts, but I think that's okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, they only played two games this week, uh, Monday against the Panthers and then Friday against the Islanders. But I mean, Jack Hughes is a must start every night. And I wouldn't be surprised if he finished the season as a top five fantasy player. I had him ranked four. A lot of people scoffed at that. I think he he's going to potentially hit 110, 115 points. Yeah, yeah definitely looks like it. Yeah. All right. Um, listeners, remember to make your picks in the survivor pool. Um, we're all survived by the skin of our teeth. Thanks to the Avs and Miko Rantanen. I love Rantanen forever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you to Michael Spicer for the intro and outro music. If you want to connect with us, our Twitter handles are at JasonChin16 and Amato underscore Mike. New episodes drop every Monday. So thank you. Subscribe, follow, and give us a like. <laughs>